Hey, it's me again. Um, mm, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been a weird week, I think. Um, I, I finished uni for the semester, which is good. Um, but I've also kind of slipped into, um, slipped into immense amounts of free time and, and as we will discuss in this podcast, which is about depression and mental health, we will see what happens to me and maybe to some of you, um, when we have too much free time. Anyway, um, today is a notable day. Um, it's the 12th of December. It's currently 3.53 p.m. London time. So that means 2.53 a.m. Melbourne time on the following day. So it's the 13th in Melbourne. Um, the election is happening right now. Um, people are voting. I voted. I woke up at 5 a.m. I, I, yeah, I don't know what happened. Um, but I went, I was like, yeah, the voting, the, I can vote. We can vote. Australians can vote in the UK election. Um, yeah. If you live in the UK and you're an Australian. Oh, well, if you remember, if you have a passport for any Commonwealth country and you didn't know that, um, I'm, I'm sad, um, but I'm sad depending on what the result is. Um, yeah, yeah, I really hope, I really hope Jeremy Corbyn wins. Um, the Tories, the Conservative Party, um, they have been lying consistently. And anyway, anyway, that's not what this episode's about. Um, yeah, how have you been? I hope you've been pretty good. I hope you've been doing some pretty good stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I'm I'm not going to talk too much in this kind of preamble thing, because I just, yeah, I don't really feel, I don't really feel particularly energetic. Um, and I think that's why I chose to record this this episode now, because it's an episode about depression, um, as I said before, and as you can probably tell from the title, but, um, the kind of lack of energy that I feel at times isn't like a kind of physical exhaustion. Um, I mean, I did wake up at 5am, but I did go to bed early. I went to bed at like 10pm. So, um, seven hours, that's fine. Um, yeah, but like I, for the past few weeks, I've been feeling this, this kind of numbness. Um, anyway, these are all things I'll talk about, but first I kind of, I kind of have to do this. Um, I have to, I have to tell you, I have to encourage you, um, to, sorry, I just had to take my, I have to wear these dumb headphones to make sure that the levels are right and everything, but, um, I think they're fine. Um, yeah, I have to encourage you to, uh, support me and support the podcast. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, which, which I, which I think some of you are, um, it would mean very much to me, um, if you could think about contributing in some way. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not asking for a big contribution. I'm not asking for for your entire life savings, obviously. Um, just think about, you know, think about it as if you're buying me, um, a tea or something. Um, that, that's all I'm asking for. Just, yeah, 
there's a service called Patreon, um, which I would recommend that you go and check out. That is, um, that is, I guess, yeah, the, the, the platform that I want to encourage you to use. It allows you to become a kind of patron of the podcast. So every episode that I release, um, you pledge a little bit of money, 50 cents, a dollar or something. Um, that's not, that's, yeah, that's for most of my listeners, I imagine, um, Actually, I, I can't make that assumption, but um, if you're in a position of financial security um, and yeah, and, and the podcast is something you're enjoying, please, please think about supporting it because um, yeah, I need, I need your help. And for me to continue doing this regularly, um, I'm going to need your help. So yeah. Um, so yeah, where, where can you find a link to support? Well, I'll post the link in the bio for this episode but also on my website, www.alex.co slash contribute. Um, and yeah, I also, I should also announce this. I release a blog. I have a blog, um, www.alex.co slash blog, whatever, man. Um, but no, what, uh, um, the blog, I, I kind of have a recap after every episode and I talk about, I kind of, um, add some extra notes, um, and go check it out. I think they're really interesting, especially the most recent one about, um, actually I haven't done one. Oh, I knocked the microphone again. I haven't done one about the episode with, um, the one on spontaneity that I did last week, which was a really sick conversation. You should, you should go and listen to that. Um, after this, of course. Um, yeah. Uh, but for all of the, uh, for all, yeah, for the others, for the conversation with Pia, um, the conversation about, that I did the conversation with myself about the philosophy of being all of them for all of them. I did a blog post. So go and read, go and read if you want some extra, um, some extra insights. So yeah, without any further ado, Oh, actually, thank you. Thank you all for showing support. Um, thank you all for getting in contact with me. Um, thank you to my patrons. Um, thank you to my mom for giving me a life. You know, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for showing support. Thank you for encouraging me. Um, and if you, if you are enjoying the podcast and you haven't, you know, said, commented, let me know, um, please do. You can send me a message however you like. And there's literally, it's so easy. Like just pick up your phone. Hey, Alex, I think your podcast is cool. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, that's enough. So without any further ado, I will begin my discussion of depression. Um, and yeah, obviously this podcast, this episode, as with every other episode, um, kind of, I don't, I don't shy away from discussing poignant, upsetting, disturbing themes. Um, this episode is literally called on being depressed. It's about my experiences as someone who's been diagnosed, um, with depression. Um, so if in terms of a trigger warning, um, this episode explores serious themes of, um, mental health issues and, and trauma and that kind of stuff. So there you go. Um, thanks for listening. And, uh, I hope you take something from this episode. I was going to say enjoy, but I'm not sure that's the right word.
Okay, so I thought I would begin by um, using someone else's definition of depression. Um, and which definition am I going to use? Um, I, yeah, I guess this isn't this isn't my definition. This isn't entirely what I believe, but um, I've chosen to use the definition provided by the DSM-5. The DSM is the um, stands for the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual. Um, pretty sure, and the five is the fifth edition. So DSM five. And what is that? What is the DSM five? It is the um, I guess the kind of uh, f- the guidebook for mental health practitioners. So psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors, therapists. Um, those kinds of people, when trying to diagnose someone with something, they consult, or I think they're supposed to consult the DSM. Um, and it kind of has criteria for every kind of mental health condition, illness, whatever you want to call it. So, um, yeah, I've... I literally Google searched DSM-5 depression and clicked on the first link, um, which took me to the DSM website. So um, they, this is what they say. I'll read it out for you. The individual must be experiencing five or more symptoms during the same two-week period, and at least one of the symptoms should be either one, depressed mood, or two, loss of interest in pleasure. Okay. So, and then here's the list of the symptoms. One depressed mood most of the day, nearly every day. Two, markedly diminished interest in pleasure at all, or almost all, activities most of the day, nearly every day. Three, significant weight loss when not dieting or weight gain, or decrease or increase in appetite nearly every day. Four, a slowing of thought and a reduction of physical movement, observable by others, not merely subjective feelings of, re- of restlessness or being slowed. Five, Fatigue or loss of energy nearly every day. Six, feelings of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt nearly every day. Seven, diminished ability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness nearly every day. Eight, recurrent thoughts of death, recurrent suicide, suicidal ideation without a specific plan or a suicide attempt or a, a specific plan for committing suicide. Wow. Okay. Um so in terms of in terms of the structure of the podcast, um I decided to begin so actually what they didn't the, Oh right, okay. So th- then they provided a definition of depression. So they say it's a common and serious mood disorder. And people who experience depression experience persistent feelings of sadness, hopelessness, and lose interest in activities they once they once enjoyed. Um, and then they say that aside from emotional problems caused by depression, individuals can also present with a physical symptom such as chronic pain or digestive issues. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that's pretty pretty vague. Um, that's not saying a whole lot. Um, but I guess, I guess it, it kind of, the definition of depression, um, is contingent on the experience of the person. So 
I would define definition differently to how someone else who is depressed would define depression because um, I'm sure my experience is different to theirs. And this is just an interesting kind of um, theme that comes up in in most of my episodes. Um, the idea of us not being able to, us as in conscious, sentient human beings, not being able to fully get in touch with the the experience of others. Um, I actually did a whole podcast about that with the philosopher L.A. Paul. I think it's the third episode. You should check it out. Um, but yeah, so as I was saying, like my experience of depression kind of ticks the boxes of most of, of those seven things that I read out. So at times, yeah, I have, I have felt a depressed mood for most of the day. That's the first criteria. The second criteria, yeah, I have experienced a markedly diminished interest or pleasure in almost all activities. Um, I have, the third one, I have experienced a decrease and increase in appetite, but like, you know, I'm, I'm sure most people have. Um, four, I have experienced a slowing down of thought um, and I have experienced, I'm not sure I've experienced a reduction in physical movement, but I guess like, if, if what they mean by that is that like, I'm not displacing myself really like, um, yeah. in I guess between 2015 and 2017, I was like, yeah, I was really, really depressed. Um, and didn't really, there was a good like six month period where I wasn't really leaving my room. So I guess, yeah, lack of physical movement and slowing down of thought. Yeah. Um, I've also felt like, um, yeah, even, even now, this is something that I, something that I think about. I think about how I feel like I am functioning on like, I don't know, maybe not, maybe not more slowly, but just like in a more like, yeah, anyway, I was going to say in a more destructive way than others, but that, that's kind that's not (laughs) listed on here. That's just like, (laughs) that's me me yeah analyzing how i think but yeah i don't know people have said that i talk slowly and i'm not sure people have said that i think slowly although if you do like um yeah tell me um fatigue or loss of energy yeah 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 really i i have i have felt that i even now like i was i was telling you that um that yeah um I, w- I wanted to record this episode when I was feeling this kind of emptiness, this hollowness, a kind of harmful, a harmful kind of stillness. Um, because I think that in the past when I've been really depressed, this is what I've felt. Um, a kind of nothingness inside, no kind of attachment to things around me. Um, a feeling like I'm not really in my body, um, like when I walk around, I can really easily forget that there is an entire world functioning around me. Um, and that might be something called dissociation, which is um, can be a coping mechanism for depression and anxiety, which is kind of, this is me not looking, I'm not, I haven't looked up a definition of dissociation, but from discussions with therapists and stuff and um, yeah, with friends who are studying medicine, um, yeah, I guess from the word like you know to dissociate is to kind of remove yourself or remove something from something so yeah my experience 
sometimes. Like now, I, as I'm talking, I, like I, I'm not aware of what of how these words are coming out of my mouth. Um, I'm not aware of, not so aware of my surroundings. Um, and I've kind of felt like this all day. I felt, I haven't really socialized today. I mean, I went and voted and like I socialized then, then I kind of came back and I was meant to do an interview and that, that didn't happen. Um, so yeah, I just kind of read and yeah, didn't really think about like how my physical body was in places and like moving places and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, the loss of energy thing, I think that, so the loss of energy and the diminished interest in and pleasure, those are the three, the three biggest things for me, I think. Um, and then also the next point, number six, feeling of worthlessness or excessive or inappropriate guilt. Um, yeah, I, yeah, like, uh, this is, this is like, it's upsetting for me to say these things because I guess I haven't really spoken. Not too many people speak publicly like this about their experience with things, um, with men, with, with mental health, um, depression, anxiety. Um, uh, and some people do, um, and, and what they're doing is, is such important work. Um, they are breaking down the stigma and the boundaries and the way that people think and feel about mental health. Like I shouldn't feel as though I have to hide my experience. Um, that being said, I gave a trigger warning because I need to, we all need to respect the sensibilities of others. Um, some people might be might be very depressed and thoughts and conversations about depression might make them feel even worse. So, you know, we need to be careful about these things. We need to be careful about talking about these topics, but that doesn't mean that we don't, we shouldn't talk about them at all. So that's kind of one of my objectives here. Um, to, so yeah, to, to talk, to make it more mainstream, to normalize conversations about mental health. Um, because, as we'll see, um, as we'll see in, in the, in this episode, um, one thing that's helped me the most has been conversations about what I've, what I've been feeling. Um, and, and I wouldn't have been able to have those conversations if there wasn't a space for me to have them. Um, and not everyone has a space. Not everyone has the privilege of having that space, of having people who will listen. Um, my, yeah, yeah. Um, like my, my dad used to tell me when I was younger, I'd be like, dad, I'm, I'm feeling really anxious. And he'd, he'd, he'd say, Alexander, no, you're not, you're not feeling anxious. Um, and yeah, I guess I can't really do <laughs> what I've learned after 23 years is that, um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I don't have, I can't have these conversations with my dad because, um, one, 
what may like uh, you know as i've grown older and as has become more and more aware of how much of an impact this has played in my life um uh he's he's kind of opened um and yeah he's opened um himself to the possibility of having the conversations about my mental health um uh and i guess yeah one thing that he said is that he didn't understand how how it happened to me how i was depressed um because he wasn't like that and he's not my dad isn't depressed he is a highly functioning highly energetic highly passionate and driven man uh he's deeply flawed <laughs> as 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 we all are um but he doesn't seem to get to be crushed by things uh to be made completely sad by nothing um the way i am so yeah anyway i was up to number 6 so i'm walking i'm not sure why i'm walking through this the diagnostic and statistics manual 5 the fifth edition um yeah okay so number 7 diminished ability to think or concentrate or indecisiveness yeah yeah um i dropped out of my first degree because um i i couldn't do it i couldn't i couldn't sit there and i couldn't listen and i couldn't i couldn't respect the work um i had i had an immense respect for for the professors and for my peers but i couldn't i just couldn't i couldn't sit there and look at the page and when i did um there was nothing going on really there was nothing going on um and that was hard for people around me to understand because a lot of people who get into law degrees are extremely studious and conscientious and when there's someone who's also in their course who isn't engaging at all you know they they say you just got to study dude and and i couldn't um or i felt like i couldn't um yeah the last one recurrent thoughts of death recurrent suicidal ideation um i don't feel comfortable talking about that um so i'm going to leave that out um and yeah okay so the next thing i will do is um uh i will i thought that it would be helpful for me and for you um to if you're someone that is that has suffered from depression um it might be helpful to uh to hear me have this to hear me speak about this because it might make you feel like you are able to have conversations about your experience and that your experience is real because um it took me a long time to realize that what i was feeling was depression um i just thought that i was someone without energy and a lot of enthusiasm um i only realized pretty recently even though i've been told by many medical professionals for a long time um yeah so i'm going to talk about um my experience chronologically um so yeah i'll begin with uh I'll begin with um maybe puberty because I think 
I think that's when it all began. Depression. That's when my experiences with depression began. So, um, yeah. Okay. So in, in high school, um, I, I struggled to draw, um, I, I had a really troubled relationship with kind of meeting expectations and setting realistic expectations. Um, and I think this is a problem that many people have and a problem that many children of migrant parents have and, um, many, a problem that many kind of children who come from minority backgrounds have, because there is a huge pressure to exceed, to, sorry, to excel academically, um, because it guarantee, oh, you know, supposedly it guarantees a kind of security. So I was not by my mom. I wasn't placed under huge pressure by my mom, but kind of, as I said, my parents were separated, but, um, from a distance by my dad, um, he expected me to study medicine and that's what I thought that I wanted to do. And so throughout high school until my final year, um, I, yeah, I, I, I guess I intermittently worked hard. Um, the final, the second last year I worked extremely hard and I did, I did well. Um, I was fortunate enough to do well. Um, but I didn't feel anything. Um, and and, you know, I'd spoken with friends and like, some of them felt the same, like getting a good mark on the test. You'd be like, oh, cool. Um, and that was it. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be particularly validating or anything like that. Um, and even, even doing well in sport and stuff. Um, yeah, I remember feeling a kind of nothingness, a kind of emptiness when I would win, win things or, or um, do well in things. Um, and yeah, um, I, I just thought that I I didn't know, I didn't know what this was. Um, and I'm, I don't actually think that this was, um, this was my first experience of depression, but why I'm telling you this is because something happened. Um, I had this, yeah, something happened, which follows this kind of path of unrealistic, or setting goals and then setting, you know, having expectations and then realizing my goals and then not, not feeling anything afterwards, not feeling validated, satisfied, content, pleased, reassured, not feeling anything. Um, and I don't think that's, Hmm. Okay. So I was going to say, I don't think that's normal. Um, I don't know if it is normal. Um, I still, I still have a really challenging relationship with that kind of stuff, um, with goals, managing expectations, um, uh, feeling good after completing something isn't normal for me. That isn't what I normally feel. Um, I don't know what it's, whether it's something that a lot of other people feel today. Cause I don't think I speak to one person about it quite a lot. And that's Steph, my housemate, Steph. Um, I interviewed her in one of the other episodes. Um, you should listen to it. Um, but yeah, we both have the same experience of just being overambitious and then sometimes, you know, kind of succeeding and then not, not, not like 
I don't know, not feeling a stamp of approval or something as a result, but yeah. So where are we? We're up to my final. So I was 17. We're now jumping to me 17 in my second final year of high school. So up until then, I think the main psychological issue that I had was anxiety. And I'm going to do a an episode on that. And that has been the longest standing mental health issue that I've had. Um, I was diagnosed with um, a an anxiety disorder when I was very young. Um, uh, yeah, and... And I, I have a lot to say about that. Um, but at the moment, at this point in my life, I think I think my depression has over, overpowered my anxiety. Um, and yeah, I guess I'm less enthusiastic about things and I'm less committed. I feel sometimes, sometimes I, I can feel less enthusiastic. I can feel less committed um, and less engaged with, with kind of my body. Um, and so the kind of anxious urges, you know, the testosterone, the adrenaline rushes, the the sweaty palms, the kind of th- thumping heart, I don't feel them as much. Um, because I think I, I spend most of the day, I sometimes when I'm when I'm feeling particularly depressed, I spend most of the day out of my body, I, I'm not really aware of, I'm not in touch, I'm not, I'm literally not in touch with what's going on inside me. Um, and I think that's normal for me. I think that's how I normally am. Um, so year 11, um, that's what we call the second final year of high school in Australia. Um, in year, so, okay, this is really boring, but in Australia, the only year, the only subjects that count towards your entrance into university are the subjects you do in your final year. And you can do one of those subjects in your second final year um, if you choose. And I did that. And so that was kind of my first experience ever of having, of feeling a real kind of um, pressure to to perform. Um, and I guess the main thing I felt at the time was performance anxiety. Um, but I didn't do as well as I hoped. Um, I studied really hard and I felt really let down. Um, and I was determined to do, to kind of, I I learned lots of things about how I study, how I learn, um, what I, what I can do and what I can't do. Um, and at this point, I still don't think that I was, I don't think that I was, I didn't feel the same depression that I feel that I felt for the past, um, five years since 2015, late 2014, um, still the main problem, the main thing, the main issue was, um, anxiety, but so now moving on to the final year of high school, year 12, um, that, that was one of the least enjoyable years of my life. Um, if not the least enjoyable year, I stopped doing everything and just studied and that was it. I didn't socialize. Um, I, yeah, a lot of things fell apart around me, but I was, I remained dedicated to my studies. Um, and there was one thing that I kind of, so I guess I had two goals. One goal was to get into whatever degree I wanted to do, which was either medicine or law. Um, and the second thing was to get the English award. 
and um, I guess my school would pride itself on its performance in English and everyone has to do English. So I thought, oh, hey, you know, everyone's doing this subject. Wouldn't it be great if I could get the top score? If I could, if I could do well in this and get an award for it and be recognized. Um, and I worked and I wrote lots of essays and, um, I got lots of feedback and kept working and working and working. Um, and I got the award and, um, I remember when they called my name and I, I walked up to the podium and I was given the award and we had this new principal who headmaster, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to call them. Um, this new dude who I didn't know who, you know, shook my hand and congratulated me. And then I walked over to the side and I remember looking at this piece of paper and, and looking at the kind of hordes of smiling faces of parents and friends and, um, trying to find my mum, who's a short woman. Um, and couldn't, I couldn't see her in the crowd. Um, and I remember clutching this piece of paper pretty tightly and then waiting for all of the other awards, the other awards to be announced. And then, you know, kind of getting photos taken, whatever. And then the award ceremony was finished and the people who had received awards moved off the stage and parents, we had to walk through this maze of parents and my friend's parents were congratulating me. Oh, Alex, congratulations. We're, we're so proud of you. Um, and these are people, these were par- these parents, I'd known them for my entire life because I kind of grew up in the same area and went to school in the same area as pretty much everyone that went to my, my high school. So yeah, there were all these people. And I just remember like, I, I don't think I handle compliments very well, but I didn't really know what to do with any of this information. And eventually I found my mum. Um, and I kind of just looked, I looked at her expecting waiting for something and she didn't say anything. Um, and, and I don't, I, I don't think it mattered. I don't think it mattered whether she congratulated me or not, because I think that that was the first point when I realized that, um, that I, that there was something wrong with me, um, that my, that I had a, a very, very unhealthy relationship with expectation and and um and and happiness or pleasure or whatever you want to call it and um I was I was crushed by that experience of not feeling pleased of not feeling validated and trying to trying so hard to pull meaning from this award and to to reflect on you know, what it meant, you know, people appreciated my work, whatever. And I wasn't able to do that. Um, and unfortunately this happened before the award ceremony was before the exam and it kind of got to me. Um, and I worked myself up into, I had a panic attack on the morning of the exam and I wasn't going to sit the exam. Um, I sat the exam, I managed to do quite well. Um, and I got into the degree university degree that I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, that was that experience of, of kind of feeling this hollow, 
emptiness, this kind of loss of interest in in um something that I had I had been so passionate about almost immediately. Um yeah, I guess that that's something that that experience is something that has stood out for me. Um and that that is the least harmful um and the least serious experience with depression or with kind of feelings of heaviness or isolation or loneliness that I've had um and that's the first clear memory that I have of feeling feeling a kind of deep tug at something inside me um a tug towards a place with lots of shadows and and a very dark place um so now that was 2014 when i graduated high school and then university and something changed very very quickly over the summer holidays um after high school between high school and university something changed um there was lots of sunlight and like physically literally there was sunlight because you know the summer holidays so um the weather in melbourne over summer is incredible and um yeah i i was very free and i kind of spent a lot of time with friends and worked a little bit and um and then i started uni but there was there was a an emptiness that i felt um complete loss of interest um and i i had worked so hard for this to get into this degree um to study law and yeah and i i just remember um so this is 4 years ago for over 4 year, nearly 5 years ago now i just remember walking aimlessly around the campus and talking with people and trying so desperately to feel something to feel a connection to feel like the experience was was what i was what i wanted um to feel like the content was to feel inspired by the content and i knew that it was inspiring stuff i knew learning about human rights and the australian constitution and um all of these things they are very meaningful things and they are so important but that that doesn't matter when you have when you when you are a depressed person these things objectively knowing that something is of value doesn't translate into a personal experience of value um or whatever emotions value produces i just felt i felt this bluntness for pretty much all of 2015 um an inability to engage properly with anything and it was around that point when my friends started to report that um i that i in conversation it would feel like i wasn't there sometimes um that that i had left that yeah um and i guess i i was 18 i was i mean i'm 23 now so it's a lot has changed over the past 5 years but you know it's still recent this is still these wounds are still open um yeah and i think that was 2015 was the formative year of my depression that was when i really began to feel empty um and purposeless and 
and it affected my studies. Um, I performed really poorly, really, really poorly academically. Um, I had gone from objectively very good performance in my final year of high school to objectively very, very poor performance um, in in the matter of months, in a matter of months. Um, and then it kind of kept getting worse. I kept doing, I kept scoring lower and lower on exams. Um, my interest was waning. My confidence was non-existent. I, I thought that I didn't know that what I, the kind of lack of interest and the lack of enjoyment and the lack of stimulation and the constant feeling of kind of, uh, nothing, just the feeling of nothing, the feeling like, feeling like there was, there's just like someone has just shaved off whatever parts of my body are responsible for feeling things that those those ends have just been severed. That's how I felt for most of 2015. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was very hard for me. Um, and my mom didn't, my mom didn't, I was living with my mom at, at this time and my mom didn't know what was happening. Um, she, she was worried as, as any parent would be. Um, but you know, I, I didn't know what I was experiencing and I was in this, a, a, a new, you know, around a new circle of people who I didn't know so well. And so I, I projected this kind of, I wore this mask of someone who was, you know, enthusiastic and very sociable and, and all of these things. Um, because, because that's really the only thing that, that wasn't taken away from me by by the feelings by by the lack of feeling i was still able to kind of talk to people um i I, uh, not about my experience but i was still trying very hard to kind of establish myself in some kind of social network um because i thought that you know maybe in the long term that would that would help me that would allow me to feel as though i belonged somewhere as though i was part of a community um Moving on to 2016, um, and that was, that was when I, I, um, yeah, I stopped going to uni. Um, I was still enrolled, um, but I, I wasn't really going to class. Um, I don't know. I, ah, oh, yeah, I, I was going to say, I don't know what I was doing, but I remember for about six months or so, I was pretty much nocturnal, um, going to bed at five, four, five AM, waking up in the mid middle of the afternoon. My mum would come in every day, try and wake me up and I would, you know, refuse to leave the bed and refuse to get up. Um, and yeah, I would just, I would just sit in my room playing chess, um, kind of playing guitar a little bit. That's, that's it. Um, I guess I, I kind of, I kind of enjoyed playing chess, but I think I enjoyed it because it, it was like, it just distracted me from, 
it made me feel something because I think um, I'm a pretty competitive person. So it made me feel kind of a rush or something. It made me feel like, yeah, I guess this sounds so amazingly cliche, but it made me feel alive. Um, and that's really a pretty weird thing to say about chess. Um, but really, that's all that I had. Um, and um, and I guess I should note that like in 2015, I saw a therapist, um, a counselor at the university that I was at. I saw her for, I don't know, maybe I think I saw her four or five times. Um, and I guess with therapy, that's not really long enough to, for someone to understand who you are and how you work. So we didn't make progress. Um, and previously I had seen, um, a number of psychologists. Um, I think the first one was, uh, maybe late primary school, early high school, um, and then I was really reluctant to kind of talk about anything that I felt. So my mum tried desperately to take me to counsellor sessions. She would book them. I would say, I'm not going. She would have to cancel them. Um, and yeah, th- even, even you know, in 2015, I really didn't want to see a counsellor. But um, I guess the one thing that I had dedicated a lot of my time to at this point in my life was my studies and it was something that just wasn't meaning anything for me anymore. So I realized that something wasn't right, but I didn't know what it was. Um, so now we're, we're in, yeah, so back to 2000, I guess forward again to 2016. Um, yeah, I, this was like, this was when my, um, my depression evolved again. Um, and it moved into the kind of, turning inwards the anti really anti-social behavior not leaving the house not enjoying other people's company wanting to be alone um or not not wanting to be alone but not 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 wanting anything and so as a consequence being alone um because of a failure to commit to things of a failure to to try and to try and organize for people to see me and stuff and um yeah, I, my memory of, of these two years, 2015 and 2016 is, is pretty blurred because I just, I don't know, like I, I wasn't really doing notable things, um, because I, I couldn't, I really, I couldn't, I just, I didn't feel, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel like I wanted to, um, I didn't feel the energy to do these things. And again, the only thing that I felt was that kind of gaping hole where sensation was supposed to be, where pleasure was supposed to be, the enjoyment of things. Um, in the past, I, I had really enjoyed studying. I had really enjoyed, you know, reading. I had enjoyed socializing. I had enjoyed playing sport. And I stopped all of these things. Um, yeah. Um, and And then... 2017, um, yeah, uh, I, I, um, just trying to think about, yeah, I, I don't think, like, I, I wasn't really able to, um, 
yeah, I, I, um, I had one person who I spoke to consistently and that was, uh, a, a, um, a doctor who had done training in, who had trained as a psychiatrist. Um, and I spoke to him regularly. Um, and yeah, he told me, you know, he's like, Alex, you're, you're extremely depressed. You have been for years now. And I, I'd say, no, 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 I'm not. This is just, this is just how I am. You know, I'm not a very energetic person. Um, and say, no, he would say, no, that's, you are, you are, this is not how, this is not how you're meant to be. Um, this is not how you're meant to be. Um, but for me, that was normal feeling that emptiness, feeling that hollowness. That was how I was meant to be. Um, and yeah. Um, and then 2017, uh, much, much of what I felt in 2016 continued, but it escalated to the point where I, I completely lost interest in my studies and and was completely unable to to focus um i wasn't handing assessments in on time i wasn't really handing them in at all um and um yeah i i did two subjects two modules in the first semester and then i took the second semester off um and i left i left melbourne for seven months um, because I, I, I felt that I had to, I felt that everything that was in place in Melbourne, um, was everything that I knew in Melbourne, everyone that I knew was associated with this sensation of emptiness. Um, and so I, I decided to get away. Um, and yeah, I, I traveled, um, and I, this is a, this is a, it's a real privilege that I was able to do that. Um, not many people are able to do that. Um, I was able to, and, and it helped. Um, I traveled alone for a lot of the time for maybe four months. Um, yeah, I, I, and this isn't a story. I'm not telling a story about, oh, like, I went away and I found myself. No, that's not what happened. Um, but what happened was that, um, at least after having thought about it quite a lot about the time away, what I experienced was, um, new constant, constantly, I was constantly presented new circumstances. Um, and I was constantly around new people. Um, and I, I was able to, um, to kind of forge a new personality, um, and, and kind of try, uh, kind of move away from, from like the, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't really able to kind of stay indoors all the time because I was in hostels with like, in sleeping in rooms with like 15 people and it's noisy and, um, you know, things look different, things smell different, things feel different. It's, 
my body was really overwhelmed. Um, and I guess I felt like I was constantly on the move. I felt super displaced. Um, and I don't know whether it, I don't know whether that helped, but what I was saying before, the experience of being able to kind of like craft, to figure out what works and what doesn't in terms of socializing. And I learned a lot of things, a lot of things about myself. Like I learned that I'm pretty introverted um, and that I, I actually can't handle that much social interaction. Um, and I need to take the time to recharge and um, it's only kind of, it's taken two years. It's been two years since I did those travels. And it's only kind of now that I've really started to enforce those rules with myself. Like if I, I recognize that I begin to feel a certain way after I've been around, after I haven't been to myself for a long time, I feel this kind of, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how to describe the feeling, but I feel something and I know that that is a signal for me to kind of return to myself and to spend some time alone and I do that now um not all the time but much more than I used to and I think that that's um yeah uh that was something that really helped realizing like realizing one that I think I'm quite introverted and two that there are parts of who I was and what I was doing in Melbourne that I was kind of able to free myself from by being on the road um and no, I'm not advocating, I'm not saying the solution to overcoming depression is going to Europe and discovering yourself. Um, that's bullshit. I didn't, I didn't come close to overcoming my depression. I'm still today um, a deeply depressed person. Um, but I guess I became more aware of things surrounding the depression that con could contribute to it. Like over socializing myself like saying yes to things that i really don't want to do um like not spending time alone like not um trying to bring my attention back to what i'm feeling in my body um some people call it mindfulness i don't know what i call it um yeah and and then i returned to melbourne and at this point i was still enrolled in the law degree and i couldn't I felt so ashamed of my academic performance and because I'm also a really radical perfectionist, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't look at my transcripts. I couldn't look at the grades that I'd received. And, um, I thought, I, I really thought that I wasn't going to be able to go back and I applied to study philosophy at the university of Melbourne and they offered me a place and, and that helped, that helped a lot because, it was a university that was much closer to home. It was familiar because I had studied there growing up. I had, as in I had used the facilities growing up. Um, my mum studied there. Um, yeah, I, there was something about, about being closer to home. Ge there was something about geography, which, which helped me. Um, and once, so so the, the travels were from the middle of 2017 until the beginning of 2018. And then I started studying philosophy at the start of 2018. And for the first six months, I was so antisocial. Um, I think I kind of overdid the whole, oh, I'm an introvert thing. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not actually sure that like I felt nothing. Um, 
but I certainly didn't, I wasn't able to derive any kind of enjoyment from, um, social interaction. Um, at least that, that's what I thought. And so the first semester went by and I'd hardly socialize. I, um, people think of me as like a sociable person, <laughs> like a really sociable person. And some people, most people think that I'm an extrovert, which is like really confusing for me. Um, but I suppose my definition of introvert is, um, a person who derives their energy from, from being alone. Um, yeah. And, um, I remember I had this conversation with someone who had been in a relationship with a person that I'd been to high school with, that I went to high school with. Her name's Caroline. And I didn't know her particularly well. Um, and, uh, I, she had been on exchange. She had studied in America and she returned and I hadn't seen her for a long time. And I bumped into her in the hallway and, um, we had this conversation and the conversation wasn't particularly meaningful. I don't think, but, um, for some reason I said, like, I said something along the lines of like, if you have, she was like, Oh, I'm having some, you know, coming home party, whatever. Like I'm having a housewarming. <clears throat> She's like, I'm having a housewarming. Um, and I said, like, make sure, <laughs> make sure you invite me. Cause like, I need to get out of the house. Um, and I think, I, I don't know why I said that. Um, but I, there was something and I went, I went to the housewarming and because, you know, I get pretty overwhelmed when there are lots of people around and, um, yeah, I, I went home early, but I remember that I met some nice people, some really nice people. Um, some people who have contributed to the formation of the ideas in this podcast. Um, Caroline has done so very much. We have since become, uh, close friends. Um, but one thing that I learned was that like, for me to navigate my depression, like I need to be around people. I can't lock myself away. Um, for me to, for me to return to some kind of like sensation, some kind of feeling of things. I don't know what it is about being around other people, but like that, that really helped me. Um, and then, so now we're at the second half of 2018 and, um, and I started, I performed really well in my first semester exams. And then I performed even better in my second semester. Um, and so by the end of last year, at the end of 2018, I was, yeah, in, in quite a reasonable feeling place. I had moved out of home. Um, I was studying a new degree, uh, I really got along with my housemates. My relationship with my parents was stronger. Um, but then as, as people with who have experienced depression might know, um, it comes back without prompt. Um, and earlier this year, I, yeah, I was, I think the most depressed that I've ever been. Um, and I, I, I was also seeing a psychologist regularly last year in 2018, every week or every second week. Um, and I began seeing a psychiatrist, um, who is, so I guess the 
the difference between a psychologist and a psychiatrist is that a psychiatrist is a medical doctor and can prescribe medication and a psychologist isn't a medical doctor. Um, um, and I began seeing a psychiatrist weekly this year. Um, and yeah, as I said earlier this year, I felt the deepest dissatisfaction and emptiness and kind of inability to engage with, with anything. Um, but I had all of these structures in place around me. Um, I had kind of, I had forced myself to, um, to be, to be kind of social. Um, I had told people, I had had conversations with my friends about, you know, what I was feeling. Um, and they would, they would contact me. They would say, Hey man, how are you going? I'm going to come around. Hey man, like, let's go for a walk. Hey man, like, let's go shoot some hoops or something. Let's play some basketball. Um, and I, obviously I didn't want to do any of these things because I didn't want to do anything, but, um, thanks to them, um, thanks to the engagement and the involvement of the people around me in my life and in these feelings of emptiness and hollowness and nothingness, um, I was able to kind of work with it and appreciate, appreciate the feelings of nothingness and of just disinterest. And yeah, um, it's, it's really hard to, to explain what, what I'm like, even now, even now, as I speak, um, I feel, I feel that, that empty pull, um, the pull towards shadows, the pull towards, um, thinking that I'm not, I'm not worth anything that, that, that people don't like me, that, um, nothing that I create is good, that this podcast, no one's listening, whatever, all of these things, um, I feel the pull into that territory. Um, but, uh, I, now in December of 2019, I, I have, I have commitments. Um, I have a commitment to you, to the listener, um, to have these conversations and that keeps me going. Um, I have a commitment to, myself. Um, I, I realized that for most of my life, I hardly ate. I wasn't really eating things. And I, one thing that I didn't do was eat breakfast. Um, and I still don't eat breakfast really, but like I, I have a banana smoothie or something like that. Um, and that, that's helped, that's helped me kind of, um, feel like a bit more in my body earlier in the day. Um, cause also, yeah, as someone who's really anxious, blood sugar levels are, at least this is what I've been told by doctors, this isn't me talking shit, blood sugar levels are important to monitor. And so like, you know, if your blood, if you haven't eaten for a long time and your blood sugar gets low, you get kind of tired and blah, blah, blah. And that can kind of, I don't know, I'm sure it has some links with depression. Um, but then if you suddenly eat, you get a huge spike and there's a huge change in mood and energy and for someone who's really sensitive to, to lots of things, to lots of stimulus like me, um, I, I need to be careful with that kind of stuff. And so I have structures that I can fall on and that are in place to kind of help me. But 
one thing that's been really hard for me over the past few months is studying. Um, in the first semester of this year, I kind of was feeling really confident. Um, and I felt like a lot of things were going well in my life. Um, and I studied the hardest I've ever studied before, harder than I studied in year 12. Um, I was in the library every day for probably between eight and 10 hours every day for an entire semester. Um, probably three, four consecutive every day for three or four months. And I, yeah, I was, I was delighted with how I performed academically. Um, and that, that was a real, actually I wasn't, I wasn't, I think in retrospect, now looking back, I'm like, shit, that was a pretty solid achievement. Um, but at the time, the difference between how I felt then and how I felt at the end of year 12 was that at the end of year 12, I felt a pull. I felt a real insecurity because I wasn't feeling validated and I wasn't feeling kind of, you know, like I'd been completed by getting that English award. But after my first semester this year, getting my marks back and getting the feedback and stuff, I felt I felt like a warm nothingness. So I didn't feel an urge to be validated because, you know, in talking to my psychiatrists and stuff, I was kind of able to learn to appreciate feedback from academics and stuff, people who enjoy my work or say that it's good. I was learned to, I was able to learn to kind of translate that into a feeling of satisfaction, a feeling some kind of feeling of my work being appreciated. Um, and I'm not saying that that makes me, that that made me feel good, but it didn't make me feel bad. Um, it didn't make me feel unvalidated, but it didn't make me feel validated either. Um, somewhere, somewhere in between. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. Um, and at the moment, uh, I've been struggling a, a lot um, with feelings of kind of worthlessness and purposelessness. And oh, one thing that I didn't discuss was nihilism. Um, I became, if you don't know what nihilism is, it's kind of the philosophy that life is meaningless, <laughs> that there's no purpose. And um, I was kind of concerned that like studying philosophy and interestingly existentialism has kind of like that's my thing that's what i that's what i like studying and that's a lot of, a lot of the big existential existentialist philosophers are like super super like the, the conclusions they reach are like you know there's literally no purpose <laughs> like for some reason that hasn't that hasn't actually affected me too much um and i was having this conversation i was having a conversation with one of my friends in london her name is flora and we both kind of described similar feelings of of having felt similar uh, like feelings of nothingness or feeling like so when i was really nihilistic that was one reason i felt like that was one reason why i wasn't getting out of bed and why i was spending so much time in bed and wasn't leaving my room because i was like it doesn't matter like there is there is no purpose it doesn't matter whether I go to university or not. It doesn't matter whether I leave the bed or not. It doesn't matter whether I eat or not. Um, and that was something that really impacted me. And so Flora said that that now um, she she feels 
you know, she she might still be as nihilistic, but it doesn't it doesn't crush. It doesn't take away the kind of engagement with with life and with activities and with commitments. And that's kind of how I feel. Um, and as always with the changes in my mental health, I don't know. I don't really know what has changed. Um, it really, it really does feel like a kind of maze of, of like, yeah, like really walking alone in a huge dark room, um, with no eyes and with like really poor spatial awareness and just kind of grabbing at things and the random things that I grab at are like new states of being. That's, that's kind of how my experience with depression has been. Um, sometimes I feel a real heaviness for no reason. Like today, um, today, I guess I'm kind of afraid of, of Boris Johnson being reelected as the prime minister. So like that might be a reason why, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like a few, the past few months, like I've been feeling slower and like less enthusiastic about many things. And like that compared to how I was at one point earlier. So at the start of this year, sorry, the chronology is getting confusing. Start of this year, I was feeling pretty awful. Then towards me leaving for Europe, which was um, in June, I started to feel better. Um, and then kind of, yeah, I, I've kind of gone back down again, but for no real reason that I can identify. Apart from you, Boris Johnson, you fucking... <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I and And let me... Where am I at right now? So I've spoken for one hour and 10 minutes with no break. And this has been totally unscripted. Um, One beautiful thing, one beautiful and frightening thing about having this podcast and having this platform to talk is that for an hour and 10 minutes, I have been looking at myself in, in a mirror, um, (laughs) And like, there isn't a mirror, obviously, there isn't a mirror in front of me, but like, I'm looking at myself through the lens of myself. Um, And I, and that helps this, this conversation, speaking about this to myself has helped. Um, I've had so many conversations, I spent hours in therapy and every minute exploring the way I feel and, and how, how my experience of depression and stuff, how these things relate to each other. Every conversation helps. Um, and what I was going to say was that the beauty of this podcast is that, yeah, I get to reflect, um, and I get to reflect in a way that, that I, for the first time in my whole life, that I am hopeful, um, that I get to reflect in a way that I am hopeful, that I hope will inspire others. Um, and I, I really mean that. Um, I, I've had a shit time with depression, um, and many people have, and 
it's a real it's a really really challenging um illness um i still suffer um and i think i've kind of accepted that it's something that i'm going to have to deal with my whole life and that's fine that's who i am um but but i now on the 12th of december in 2019 i i am hopeful that um conversations can be had about this kind of stuff and i think that's the most important thing um seeing a psychiatrist seeing a psychologist those things have helped so much and they are conversations talking with friends that has helped maybe even more than seeing these therapists they are conversations um we need to we need to normalize the discourse around mental health um people i understand when someone says that they don't want to talk about their experience with mental illness or with 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 anything i understand because i only until i don't know one year ago or so um i was absolutely uncomfortable talking about my experience um with mental illness so and and i think a lot of that is because of the fear of judgment and the fear of um, it getting in the way of friendships and career prospects and and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but if we change, if we change the way, if there is a respect, a social respect for mental illness and an acceptance that it is a real thing that people people can experience. Um, I think that um yeah I think that I'm I'm hopeful that people will will begin um feeling better as I as I have at times um and yeah I guess I'll just conclude by so I said before that um the one thing that, uh, oh that you know my experience with depression has been like walking around in a dark room with poor vision and a bad spatial awareness and just grabbing random sensations and emotions and stuff. Um, that's true. That's what it's been like. But I've noticed that the more conversations I have about how I feel, um, there's often a pretty close correlation with, um, yeah, with like me feeling more able to engage with things that have that I have enjoyed in the past um and even though I might not enjoy them at the time um at least for me now in retrospect I'm glad that that I did them so um if you've made it this far uh I have immense respect and admiration for you um I if you ever want to talk about anything remember i'm i'm not a therapist i'm not a doctor um but i will i'm here to help in in whatever way i can um uh and and so are those around you um have these conversations try to try to um if you know someone who is struggling try to try to initiate 
conversation or or if you don't feel like that's appropriate let them know that you're there to listen um as you'll know from the last episode if you've listened to it there is oh sorry two episodes ago there is something extremely important about being there to listen and knowing when to listen um and yeah please listen to yourself listen to your thoughts listen to your feelings and listen to those around you um thank you and um yeah thank you and until until the next episode goodbye